Morning, everybody. Great to see you all back in church. Great to be here physically. It's good to gather again, isn't it? And to be here to worship together and to look at God's word together. It was Benjamin Franklin, who, who was one of the founding fathers of the USA, who said these famous words in this world, nothing can be certain except death and taxes. Now, that might seem a little bit morbid to be kind of focusing our minds on death and taxes on a Sunday morning. And I guess death is probably the one last taboo in our society, isn't it, that nobody wants to talk about. Today's title is Finishing Life Well, and we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. And it might seem a bit heavy going on a Sunday morning to be thinking about and focusing on the subject of death. But it's really important that we regularly focus our minds on the fact that sooner or later, our lives will come to an end. Sooner or later, our lives are going to come to an end. If we, don't, if we didn't focus on that, if we didn't prepare for that, it'd be kind of like driving along a road with warning signs that we're going to go over a cliff edge and then just ignoring the signs and kind of plowing on regardless and then going over the, the edge. We're in the, the middle, aren't we? How could we forget in the middle of a global pandemic? And every day we hear how many people have died in the UK and around the world uh, of COVID-19. And, and the whole lockdown, all of the restrictions, and all the things that we're living with are in, a, in order to prevent people from dying. It's all about preventing death. In fact, hundreds of billions of pounds, hundreds of billions, trillions of billions of, of dollars and pounds have been spent trying to prevent death. But the problem is that death is inevitable. If we don't die of COVID-19, we'll die of something else. Sooner or later, we will all die, whether it's an epidemic or something else. All of the lockdowns, all of the restrictions, all of the vaccines in all the world will only delay the inevitable because one day we will all die of something at some point. Now, over the last few months, we've been working our way through Paul's second letter to Timothy. And we've seen that this was Paul's last letter just as he was facing death. He was expecting to die imminently. Paul was expecting to die at the hands of Roman executioners because he'd been preaching and teaching about Jesus. He was, he was chained up. He was in prison in Rome. And he was expecting to face death. And as Paul writes to Timothy, he just pauses and kind of takes a few moments out of his letter and reflects upon the fact of what God has called him to do and how he has lived out his life as he comes to the end of his life, as he now focuses on the fact that his own life is about to end. Now that his life is almost at an end, he's ready to go and be with Jesus and he's ready to go and receive the wonderful reward that Jesus has promised him. Now, on your seat is an outline, and all the verses and the points that we're looking at today are on your outline, so I'd encourage you to use that. There are COVID-safe pens that haven't been touched by anybody else this morning in the seats in front of you, so grab one of those, and there's various things if you want to fill them in. If you find it helpful, it's there for you. We're going to read from 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. Paul is in a prison cell. He knows that his own days are numbered. He's facing death. It might be today. It's imminent. He doesn't know when it's going to be. And so he writes these words. He takes this little pause and kind of focuses on his own little situation. So 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 6 to 8. Paul says this, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. 
and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul is in his prison cell in Rome. He's writing to Timothy, knowing that he may, he may only have some days to live. He's probably going to be executed, he knows, for being a follower of Jesus. And he wants Timothy to stand firm and to be a brave and a strong and a courageous church leader. Doesn't want him just to start out well, which he had. He wants him to keep going and to finish well, to finish his own life well. Now, there's a sense in which starting out the Christian life is the easy bit. Becoming a Christian in one sense is the easy bit. It's going on and it's finishing well. That is the hard thing to do. Anyone who's ever done any kind of running or uh, kind of exercise like that will know that the starting is the easy bit. Starting out isn't difficult. It's finishing and it's finishing well. That is the difficult thing to do. To be honest, I just find starting out pretty difficult. But anyway, in the passage we've just read, Paul appeals to Timothy and to us today to look at his example, to look at Paul's example as he has come to the end of his life. He says this, the time has come for my departure. Paul has spent his whole life since he trusted in Jesus, living for God, being kind of sacrificing his life, just pouring his life out, trying to live for God. And he knows now that the moment of his death is probably fairly close. Time has come for my departure. And Paul has faced up to the fact that his life will probably not last very much longer. It's time for him to depart this world. It's time for him to go and be with the Lord and Savior that he loves and that he's been serving. And this is something that we all need to get our heads around because our culture can't handle talking about death. Paul here talks bluntly and openly about the fact that he's about to die. We struggle to do that, don't we? We struggle to do that in our culture. We struggle to do that even as Christians, even as followers of Jesus. We try to avoid not having to talk about our death. But, you know, every one of us is going to die. And ultimately, actually, the right at the heart of the good news of the gospel is the fact that we have this wonderful hope that death is not the end. It's just a passing on into the presence of Jesus. So death for the Christian should not be an issue. It's never nice, it's never good to die, but death is just a passing on into the presence of the Lord Jesus. Every one of us is going to die, so we need to get our heads around that. The Bible says this, man is destined to die once, and after that, to face judgment. We cannot escape the fact that we are all going to die. And after dying, we will all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will, he will judge our lives. We often live, don't we, as if we're indestructible, particularly when we're younger, we have all our lives ahead of us and we think we're going to live forever. We're never going to get sick and we're going to conquer the world and all the rest of it. But the truth is that we never really know what lies ahead of us. We don't know when we will die. All we know is that we will. I'm going to be 48 on Tuesday. Lucy's going to be a little bit younger than me on Tuesday. Uh, a lot younger than me on Tuesday. Not a lot, actually. But anyway, um, I'm 48 on Tuesday. There's notice for cards. I may live another 52 years and be as old as Dorothy Anderson was yesterday. Or I could be involved in a car crash on the way home today. I don't know. That might seem a bit morbid, but we need to be ready for this. We need to think about these things. We need to be prepared for it. Whether we like it or not, write this on your outline. We need to be ready for death. We need to be ready for death. We need to be ready for our own death. There is nothing more certain in your life than your death. And if something is certain, if something is so certain, then it's com the common sense dictates that we should make sure that we're ready for it. Let me ask you a question this morning for you to think about in your own mind. Are you ready for death? Are you ready to die today? 
COVID vaccines are important, but even more important than any vaccines or treatments is being ready for death. So if death is a certainty, then how do we ensure that we're ready for it? Well, I'm going to suggest two key things that we need to do. First, you look at the, probably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes in Jesus, whoever puts their faith and trust in Jesus and surrenders their lives to him, will not die spiritually. When they die, they will die physically, but then they will go to be with Jesus for all eternity. If you want to be ready for death, then you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to put your faith and your trust in him. That involves confessing the fact that you're a sinner. It involves turning around and turning away from your old life. It means stopping living for yourself and instead living for Jesus, thanking him for dying for you on the cross and accepting the forgiveness that he offers you. If you want to be ready for death, write this down on your outline. You need to trust in Jesus. The single greatest thing you can do is not have a great funeral plan, not to put five pound aside a week or one of those funeral plans, but it's to trust in Jesus. That is the biggest thing you can ever do, because if we don't put our trust in Jesus and surrender our lives to him, then when we die, we will certainly face eternity in what the Bible calls hell, where we'll be separated from God and from all that is good forever. And we'll face God's wrath against our sin for all eternity. The person that we will all have to stand before as our judge is the Lord Jesus. So the best thing that we can do in life is to get right with him now. Not something that we put off next week or the week after, but it's to take that step right now. Now, I know that most of you here today have done that. There's been a moment in your life probably that you can look back on at some point where you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you've received that eternal life. And that's fantastic. So how much more can you be ready for death then? How can you ensure that you don't just start out the Christian life well, but that you keep going and that you finish well like Paul was doing? Starting out is in one sense the easy bit, isn't it? But keeping going and finishing the race that is life is the hard bit. Keeping going, enduring to the end. So let's look at Paul's example. As he writes to Timothy, he says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. What does he mean? Well, a a drink offering was a sacrifice in the Old Testament as part of the Jewish law that a person would offer to God. They would pour out a drink, usually wine, as an offering to God. It was a sacrifice. It was costly. If there's no cost, then sacrifices aren't really sacrifices, are they? And, And Paul is saying that he had lived his whole life as a costly sacrifice to God. Since first putting his faith and trust in Jesus on the road to Damascus, when Jesus had miraculously appeared to him, he'd gone on to pour out his life day by day, often at great cost and a great sacrifice to God. And just like a drink offering would eventually be poured out and the cup or the container would be empty. So Paul's life was almost empty. He was almost completely poured out. He was coming now to the end of his life. The Bible talks about this idea of of our lives being lived as sacrifices in Romans 12, written also by Paul. He says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual or logical act of worship. Paul is saying, look, when we think about who who God is, who Jesus is, and all that Jesus has done for us, 
There is no other step that we can logically take other than to lay down our lives, to give him our lives in entirety. Nothing else makes any sense. He deserves everything. He deserves my whole life. Paul's life had been transformed by Jesus. He says elsewhere, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. He was a murderer. He put Christians to death. And yet he'd encountered Jesus. His life had been radically transformed. And he never forgot that massive debt that he owed Jesus. And we're in the same boat, aren't we, this morning? If we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we owe him this wonderful debt, this amazing debt. So we need to pour out our lives as living sacrifices, as drink offerings, not as a kind of one-off act, but as that drink offering continuing to pour out day by day, serving him, worshipping him, an ongoing lifestyle that continues to flow day by day. It's great to take that first step of trusting in Jesus and becoming a Christian. And of course, that'll get us to heaven and being with Jesus. But Jesus wants us to go on living our lives every day and go on giving our lives to him every day. He wants us to live for him every moment of every day. And in everything we do, pouring out our lives like a costly drink offering until eventually it's all used up and our life comes to an end. I want to challenge you this morning. Are you living your life as a sacrifice to God? Are you living your life as a drink offering to God, poured out day by day? Have you started out on the Christian life, but then kind of stuttered to a bit of a halt and kind of run out of steam and run out of energy? You see, God doesn't just want us to start out. He wants us to go on. And like Paul, he wants us to finish well. Because one day, each one of us will have to give an account for how we've lived as Christians. Jesus will demand an account for our lives since we've trusted in him. The Bible says this, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Every minute area of your life and my life since we've trusted in Jesus will be uncovered and laid bare before Jesus when he comes again, when we stand before him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be stood in front of Jesus embarrassed before him on that day. It's not about losing our salvation. We can't lose our salvation if we genuinely trusted in him. But I want to be able to stand before him knowing that I've done my best, that I've lived my life for him. And the point is that today might be my last day. Today might be your last day. We just don't know. And only God knows that. You could die and go to be with Jesus today if you trusted in him. Or Jesus could come again. Either way, today would be the last opportunity we have to live our lives as sacrifices for him. So write this down. We should offer our lives to God. Today may be our last day. We need to be on that daily basis offering our lives to God. You know, it's never too late to start doing this. It may be this morning that you've kind of, you know, you started out well and you just kind of got a little bit lost a little bit astray you just kind of run out of energy you know that you're not going on as well as you were when you first started you're kind of like in that race you've 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 stopped running and you're just walking along it's never too late to start again and to run that race and to really pick up the pace and i just want to encourage you today to live for jesus and pour out your life as a drink offering an act of service for him when we think of how jesus poured out his life we've sung about it this morning we thought about it in the bread and the wine how he poured out his life there on the cross for you and for me the least we can do the only rational logical spiritual thing we can do is to pour out our lives in return and i don't know about you but when i stand before jesus on that final day of my life 
when I'm stood before him and he reviews my life, I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. They're the words I want to hear. They're the words I crave to hear from the Lord Jesus. I don't want to be so caught up with this world and my own life that I fail to live for God and focus on living for him and ignore all that he's done for me. Can I, can I really encourage you to live your life with the future in mind, to live each day with eternity in view? Don't get so caught up with this world, with, with money, with holidays, with houses, cars, clothes, careers, phones, that we end up giving little thought to Jesus and to eternity. Because all of this stuff in this life all goes back in a box, doesn't it? We're only here for around 80 years. Life expectancy is about 81, 82 years in the UK. But if we've trusted in Jesus, then we will live forever. We will be with him forever and for all eternity in heaven. And if we focus on these 80 years here on earth at, ex- at the expense of eternity, then we lose out in eternity. We won't lose our salvation, but we may well lose out on the further rewards that God longs to bless us with and longs to give those who have trusted in him. God has a heaven full of rewards. Difficult for us to understand, isn't it? But beyond what he's already done for us, he wants to and longs to bless us with even more rewards. Now, if you knew that today was your last on earth, I wonder what you would do. But I wonder also what you would say about your life. If you had to review it and put a description up, this is a, a kind of one paragraph or one sentence about your life. What, what would you say? What would that look like? Take a few moments to think about that. What would your, how would you sum up your life since you trusted in Jesus? Let's look at Paul's description. What does Paul say? He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Wow, that's a phenomenal summary, isn't it, of his life? And it's not Paul boasting. This is Paul humbly summarizing his life as a follower of Jesus. Paul's life was a life lived for God. He had no time for the distractions of this world. He was focused upon living for Jesus. And that's what he did. And if you read through the Acts of the Apostles and if you read through the the epistles, you see that. He was shipwrecked, he was stoned, he was flogged, and eventually he would lay his own life down. Now, there's three things that we can learn from what Paul says here. Firstly, if we want to finish life well, then we need to work hard for God. Write that down. We need to work hard for God. Paul says that he knows he's about to depart this world, and he's looking forward to standing before Jesus on that final day. And he knows as he does that, that he's fought the good fight. In the Greek language that Paul was writing in, he uses words that are borrowed from the Olympics. It's the word that's used to describe wrestling. As he looks back on his life, he can say with honesty that he worked hard. He'd fought the good fight. He'd wrestled for God, if you like. Being a Christian is hard work. Serving God requires exertion and commitment and dedication. Anybody involved in sport knows that you have to train and be dedicated. And a Christian life is very similar. Because the fight that we're engaged in, whilst it obviously does have physical aspects to it, is ultimately a spiritual fight. Paul says this in Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle, our wrestle, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If we're a follower of Jesus, we are engaged in a spiritual battle every day. It often has physical manifestations but it's ultimately a spiritual battle and it's a fight that we need to give ourselves to. And that's Paul's point here. He has been dedicated to God since he trusted in Jesus. He served God with all his might. 
He can say that he has fought the good fight. What would you say about your life? How would you review your life since trusting in Jesus? The second thing that we can see is that if we want to finish well, we need to keep going. Even when life is tough, we need to endure to the end. Paul says to Timothy that he's finished the race. When you start out on a run, the starting out is the easy bit. As we said, it's seeing it through to the end that is much harder. And Paul borrows again from the uh, language of the Olympics, the example of the Olympics, to make the point that the Christian life won't always be easy. It's going to have lots of challenges and obstacles and difficulties. There'll be problems and pain and sorrow and difficulties and opposition and persecution. Just as when you run a race, you get a stitch, you, you get sore legs, your lungs hurt. I had bowel surgery a few years ago, and when they knocked me out and they tried to put the tube down my windpipe, they couldn't get it down. And they almost ran out of time and they discovered that I've got something called an anterior larynx, which basically is a very, very tiny windpipe and they couldn't get the tube down. And that means that whenever I do any exercise, my lungs really hurt. I really struggle to breathe. It really hurts. So I start and then I just stop because it's too unpleasant. And I always thought that I was really unfit and I am, but I always thought that even when I was fit as a teenager, that I was really unfit because it used to really hurt. And I was always gasping for air. And then I discovered why. And that's great. I've got an excuse now. I'm not doing any more running. So don't badger me about that. But, but finishing life well, finishing a race well, is tough. It's difficult, isn't it? The wonderful thing about, about being a Christian is this, that we have somebody running alongside us, helping us run and helping us breathe. One of the words used to describe the Holy Spirit is the word parakletos, which means the one who comes alongside and walks or runs with us. God is there. The Holy Spirit is there helping us, carrying us, helping us breathe even. Life is often tough, but God doesn't ask us or expect us to do it on our own. He's right there every step of the way, encouraging us, caring for us, and even sometimes carrying us and giving us that air that we need. The third thing we can learn is that if we want to finish life well, we need to stay faithful to the truth. Paul says he has kept the faith. We need to stay faithful to the truth. Write that on your outline. All through this letter to Timothy, Paul has been reminding him of the need to teach and to live out what is in God's word, the Bible. And we've seen, haven't we, over and over again in this letter, Paul warning about false teachers and people teaching wrong things and leading Christians astray. And we've seen how so easily we can fall into the lies of the enemy ourselves. We've looked at that a lot in this letter. But despite what other people and the world around us believe, we are called to remain faithful to the truth, to keep the faith, even though that can be really costly for us at times. We've got no other authority to live our lives by, to run this church by than this book, the word of God. This is our authority. We don't have any other authority. And the only way that we can know what the truth is, is by studying this book and feeding on it and living on the living word of God. So the challenge is to make this book, God's word, the foundation for every step that we take in life. As we run that race, every step, this is the foundation that we, kept, that, that, that we run on. We're under so much pressure, aren't we, at the moment to change what the Bible teaches, to make it palatable, to make it acceptable. And I suspect we've only just begun to see the beginning of that here in the UK and it's going to become harder and harder as individuals in our workplaces or in our families. And it's going to become harder and harder as churches and as Bible teachers to stand for the truth of the Bible. And the temptation for all of us will be to, to kind of 
soften the truth, make it more palatable, to pedal back a little bit, to just to stay quiet on some issues. But let's keep the faith. Paul says he's kept the faith. Let's stay loyal to the truth of the Bible, despite the inevitable cost that will come, and to the truth of the good news of the gospel, the truth of sin, the truth about repentance that's so necessary, and the truth about faith in Jesus. If we're going to finish life well and stand before Christ unashamed and confident of reward, then we need to work hard for God. We need to keep going when life is tough, and we need to stay faithful to the truth. Paul says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who've longed for his appearing. In Paul's day, an athlete, when they would win, uh, win their race, wouldn't get a medal. They'd get a, a loyal a laurel wreath, a crown that kind of go around their head. And it was placed on their head as a way of honoring the athlete who had won the race. Here's a picture of uh, Kelly Holmes at the Olympics with a medal, but also a laurel wreath on her head. And this is exactly what they would have worn it in Paul's day. And that was what they were awarded. The follower of Jesus, Paul says, doesn't win a laurel wreath. We win the crown of righteousness as we cross the finishing line and go to be with Jesus. What's the crown of righteousness? Well, it's two things, I think. Firstly, it's the righteousness that God gives to us when we trust in Jesus here on earth. We get to share in Jesus' righteousness. God views us as being as holy and perfect and as right as Jesus. And it's Jesus' righteousness that God gives to us when we trust in him that enables us to spend then all eternity in heaven with him. And it's because only those who are truly born again that will keep going in the Christian life and cross the finishing line. It's something we only fully receive if we endure to the end. But this is also a reference to the reward that Jesus will give to us for those righteous things that we do in this life. The things that we've done since we've put our faith and trust in him. Not satisfied with forgiving our sins and giving us a relationship with himself and giving us a a home in, in, in heaven for all eternity with him, God longs to shower us with even more blessings in eternity. Jesus is coming again. And for those who trusted in Jesus, his coming will mean further rewards for us if we've lived for him and served him. Jesus speak, said these words, speaking about himself and speaking about those who trusted in him. He said this, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he, re, he will reward each person according to what he has done. If you trusted in Jesus, then either you will die and go to be with him or he will come again for you, whichever happens first. Either way, he is looking forward to rewarding you for all that you've done for him. What an amazing savior we have that longs to reward us above and beyond forgiving us, giving us a relationship with himself and giving us eternal life. So let's make sure that when Jesus reviews our lives on that day, that he will find that we've fought the good fight. He'll find that we've worked hard, that we've finished the race, that we kept going even when life was tough and we've kept the faith. We've stayed faithful to the truth. Starting the race is the easy bit. Finishing it is much, much harder. Finishing it well is harder still. But there on the finishing line, is our heavenly father encouraging us, calling us on, beckoning us towards him. He wants us to finish well. He's looking forward to that day when he can shower us with blessings and rewards for a life lived well and a life finished well. Because this isn't just for Paul. This is for, as Paul says, all who have longed for his appearing. 
Paul had longed for Jesus' return and his appearing, but it hadn't happened in his lifetime. He was about to die, and so he would meet Jesus as he went to be with him, but he would leave Timothy behind as Timothy continued to live his life and run his race. And as Timothy received this letter, Paul was encouraging him to live his life, longing for the appearance of Jesus as he comes again. This Saturday, Ryan and Indy will be longing to see each other, I'm sure, at their marriage ceremony, because it will mean that they are finally together, finally married. And human marriage is a picture of the relationship between Jesus and his church. The church is just all those who've trusted in Jesus throughout history. Jesus is the bridegroom and the church is Jesus' bride. And Jesus is longing to come and take us, his bride, to go and be with him for all eternity, for the greatest wedding party that the world has ever known. But are we longing for his appearing? Are we longing for the appearance of Jesus? Am I longing for Jesus appearing? Are you longing for Jesus appearing this morning? Are we longing to see Jesus, whether that's when he comes again or when we die, whichever happens first? Oh, that we might be so in love with Jesus for all that he is and for all that he's done that we're longing for his appearing. At our wedding, one of the songs we sang collectively, not me sang, but one of the songs we sang collectively was, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. That should be our heartbeat, shouldn't it? All that thrills my soul is Jesus. So as we wait for our Savior's appearing, let's pour out our lives like drink offerings. Let's fight the good fight. Let's finish the race. Let's keep the faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we long for your appearing. We long for the day when we will see you face to face. We long for the day when we'll be transformed into your likeness, finally. No more sin, no more pain, no more suffering. When we will hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. We long to see you. We long to be with you. Give us a greater love for you, we pray. Burn in our hearts that we might truly say, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. Help us to pour out our lives as drink offerings day by day in service for you. Help us to to run the race. Help us to keep the faith. Help us to fight the good fight. Help us to finish life well, we pray. Help us to live for you in all that we do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.